0: Good morning, my name's uh, Brock Johnson, one of the staff here at church. Uh, It's my um, pleasure to be opening God's Word with us uh, this morning to uh, go through uh, the first part of uh, John chapter 10. Do you remember Chris the Sheep? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a few nods. This is Chris the Sheep. Chris the Sheep was found in September Um, 2015 and he was wandering around Mulligan's Flat uh, Reserve, not far from here. He was wearing this mammoth fleece. Uh, Chris was a sheep without a shepherd. Uh, A sheep that had been abandoned by his shepherd and a sheep who was really just struggling for life. Now as you can see in the picture there, Chris's fleece was absolutely out of control. It was surprising ..that he had survived apart from the flock. He could have been, you know, picked off by a predator or a disease or... uh, ..it really was truly remarkable that he was alive, that he had survived at all. Now, Chris's rescuers urgently put out a call for a shearer... ..and a multiple championship winning and Australian shearer's Hall of Fame shearer... ..a guy called Ian Elkins answered that call... Now, previous to Chris, a New Zealand sheep dubbed Shrek avoided muster for six years and he turned in a massive 27 kilos of unshorn wool. There was another uh, New Zealand sheep called Big Ben, uh, the holder of the Guinness World Record uh, with a fleece of 28.9 kilos in 2014. Well, Chris the sheep... Not to be outdone, he turned in a whopping 40.45 kilos. More than 10 kilos heavier than the existing record-winning fleece. It took 45 minutes to shed the 47 centimetre long fleece. Just think about that for a moment. Which came off, even more amazingly in my opinion, in one piece. The average fleece in Australia uh, would cut about 5 kilos. So to be over 40 is really quite something. Now like Chris the sheep, we know how vulnerable we are in a world without a shepherd. But unlike Chris the sheep, we have a shepherd. And not just any shepherd, we have the good shepherd. A shepherd that safely connects us to Jesus, allows us to go in and out of the gate safely. A shepherd who rescues us from the disease called sin. A shepherd who guarantees our life and not just life, abundant life. A shepherd willing to lay down his life for his sheep. A shepherd that shows us what it's like to be in his care right through into eternity. And we are a people who worship this shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, as God. You see, we don't just admire him, we follow him, we worship Jesus as God almighty, all powerful, all wise, the creator, the sustainer of life. He is the redeemer of the universe, he is God, one with the Father and the Spirit. And as the passage today says, he is the good shepherd. He is both the door, the gate, the entry point and the shepherd of his flock, his people. Jesus is God. This is where John took us in chapter 9 and it's where he's going to take us again today. Do you remember um, in chapter 9, the blind man's eyesight got clearer and clearer and clearer until he finally declares in chapter 9 verse 38, Lord, I believe. And what does he do? He worshipped Jesus. And all the while, the Pharisees' eyesight is getting darker and darker and darker and darker. They were blind to the truth. They even called Jesus a sinner in 9 verse 24. And as John continues to do each step of the way, he calls us to make a choice. And he wants us to believe and have life. There's no fence sitting in the end. Either you believe Jesus is God and you worship him as such, or you say Jesus is a sinner. Jesus, you're a liar. You're a madman. You are insane. There is no in-between. There's no fence to sit on. And that's really the reality. There's only two choices. Now, today is not any different to any other day in John's Gospel. Jesus is out and about and through and by his actions, he creates division because of his words. Many say he has a demon and is insane. And finally, others ask the question in verse 21, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And as we push through today's sermon, we're going to be challenged yet again. Jesus is either insane or he is God. I mean, if he is insane... How insane can you get? Jesus says in verse 17 to 18 there, he has authority to lay down his life. You've got the same authority too, you know. But in reality, when you're dead, you're dead. You don't have the authority to undead yourself. But Jesus says he can undead himself. He's going to take up his life again. Take his life back. That's crazy talk. Nobody could do that except God in the flesh. So in John chapter 10, Jesus says that he is the way to God. The entry point, the door, the gate, the way. And that he's gathering people to himself. Why? He says to give them life and to give them life in abundance. And how is he going to do this? Or by laying down his life, he says, for his sheep. And then he's going to take it back up again. He's either truly mad or he is truly God. Now we're going to break up today's passage uh, into four sections. If you're following along, 1 to 6, 7 to 10, 11 to 18, and finally, just briefly, 19 to 21. Verse 1 to 6, Jesus is talking with the Pharisees. If you've got your Bibles open there, if you have a look at the bridge between chapters 9 and chapter 10, good, I've got a few eyes going down. That's a trick because there isn't one. This is a continuation of what's going on, a discussion with the Pharisees. And what Jesus is saying to them is this, I am gathering a flock. I'm calling them by name in the fold of Israel. And you know what? He's still doing that today. His voice is being heard by some of us and not by others. Now there's more to this as you and I know. So let's continue digging a little deeper. Jesus is actually being extremely controversial here. He's calling out the Pharisees from verse 1 whether they realise it or not. And he says in verse 1, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He's calling out the Pharisees as stock thieves. He's saying, you didn't get your position in the synagogue by going through the gate. You jumped the fence. And you hold your position for your own glory, your own power, your own majesty. Not for the benefit of the sheep that you say that you're there to protect. Jesus continues in verse 2 there. And he's saying uh, to the one who enters through the door without jumping the fence. That person is the true shepherd of the sheep. And it's to that person... The gatekeeper will open. Further to this, in verse 3, Jesus says that the sheep know the voice of the true shepherd. They hear his voice. You see, they can smell it, they can taste it, they can see it. Those sheep follow the true shepherd. He who enters by the door will follow Jesus. Now, while Jesus doesn't uh, identify himself um, directly with any of these characters in the first uh, section, the figure of speech there, I think it's clear from reading the passage and from we got the rest of the Bible kind of away way, that he's referring to himself there. Verse 3, the sheep that hear his voice, he calls them by name and he leads them. Verse 4, unlike the modern Australian sheep farmer, the Middle Eastern sheep farmer of the first century is far more intimately related to his sheep, which would have numbered probably no more than about 10 Uh, and each one of those sheep would have been known by the shepherd by name. And so if knowing God is significant, then what's going on here? Being known by God is that much more significant, isn't it? Jesus continues in verse 5 that the sheep, they're not going to follow a stranger, but they'll flee from strangers because they don't know the stranger's voice. Now John tells us that Uh, The Pharisees did not understand this figure of speech. So why did Jesus do this? Was it to test the Pharisees again? Was it to, to give them another chance? At the end of these six verses, the Pharisees saw nothing. They were still blinded by their sin. What do you see when you look at this passage? John says that they understood nothing. How will Jesus respond to the Pharisees, to you and to me? Well, in one sense, you could say that he keeps explaining things. He's incredibly patient with us. He continues to unpack things so that we understand in our thickness. And in another way, you might say he also makes himself look uh, totally insane. We've seen this before. If we were to go back to John chapter 6, uh, Jesus said he is the bread from heaven. He calls himself a loaf of bread. And when the Pharisees get upset, beginning to argue with him, he says to them, if you don't eat me and drink my blood, you have no life in you. He makes the Pharisees gag. Jesus says... Okay, so you don't grasp my figure of speech. And he continues in verses 7 to 10. He's explaining the figure of speech and this time identifying himself with it or in it. Jesus says he is both the door and the shepherd. Do you think you can be both? One response is you can't be both another response and I think the one that we want to have is Jesus tell me more about how you are the door and Jesus tell me more about how you are the shepherd I mean we all want a door out of this mess of me don't we if I don't have a shepherd I'm going to get myself in the wrong place if just like Chris the sheep did I long to have someone watching over me guiding me Without a shepherd, I'm going to get tangled up in bad stuff. My fleece is going to get unruly. I'll get taken down by a predator or a disease. Jesus is that door for the sheep. Jesus says that all that came before him have been pretenders, thieves and robbers. And guess what? The sheep didn't listen to them, did they? Jesus says in verse 9... I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Anyone who enters by Jesus will be saved. Jesus is the one that connects us to God. He grants us safe passage before God the Father, before whom we could never stand apart from Jesus. The door. But more than this, Jesus gives us pastures, green, lush pastures with sweet grass, full dams, and they never run out. It's a picture, as we've constantly said in this series, of life that is good, life that can begin now, and life that goes on for eternity. Verse 10, Jesus says that he has come to bring life, and life abundantly. Doesn't that kind of sound like John 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's the same idea. Jesus says, I am the door. If you trust me to be the door, I'm going to promise you two things. Number one, you're going to be saved. You're going to be safe. And number two, You're going to go in and out with me as your shepherd, with me as your guide, overseeing, watching over your life from now right through to eternity. Safety and plenty. That's what those who have their faith in Jesus receive. Safety and plenty. He says life and life abundant. But what does this life abundant look like? Well, firstly... We're going to kill this one straight up. It's nothing to do with having lots of stuff. People with lots of stuff are often the most unhappy people. We've seen this. The pasture isn't stuff. Human beings are not like birds or bees or any other animal that hoards food. We have souls. We are made in God's image. And as a result, we want different things. We want beauty. We want people, relationships, peace. We want joy. We want satisfaction. These are the things that you can't quantify in stuff. In fact, the ones who often have the most stuff are the ones that generally struggle the most with the lack of these things. Abundant life is not about stuff. How much you can hoard or gather in your life. It's about peace with God, isn't it? It's got to be about knowing the one that you were made for. It's about going in and out into protection and pasture because Jesus is the door. Thank you, Jesus, that you are that door, that that way to God. Thank you that you are the safe passage that we can use to come before God. In the next section in verses 11 to 18, Jesus identifies himself on two occasions as the good shepherd. You'll note them in your Bible, 11 and 14. This is a title that belonged to God. If we were to jump to Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And then if we jump across to Isaiah 40, verse 11, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arm and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. This is the good shepherd here, isn't it? Listen to how tenderly he leads and guides and cares for his flock, his people, us. If we jump across to Psalm 78, verse 71, once applied to David, is now actually applied to Jesus. It says, From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. See, Jesus, once again, he's equating himself with God by taking upon himself the titles of God as well as the Messiah of David's family line. And as we'll see in 19 to 21, this is not going to go without notice to the Pharisees. They're not going to miss it. And so far, we've seen Jesus identify as the true shepherd, the door, the gate, the way, the only way to God. And that he's doing this uh, to bring not just life, but abundant life. Life that is good, life that can begin now, and life that goes on forever. But how is he going to do this? Well, I think in verse 11 to 18, he spells it out to the Pharisees and to us. He see, he is the good shepherd who is going to lay down his life for his sheep, verse 11. Then in 12, Jesus sets himself against the false shepherds and the hired hands, calling out the Pharisees again, explaining his relationship with his people like that of a shepherd with his sheep. But unlike the false shepherd or the hired hands, instead of running away from us, abandoning us when trouble comes, Jesus is going to lay down his life for his sheep, for us, his people. Because he knows his sheep and his sheep know him, the good shepherd. Throughout this section here, Jesus is clearly alluding right back to Ezekiel 34. God has entrusted his people to shepherd kings and rulers. or God had entrusted his people to shepherd kings and rulers who were responsible to care for the people of God. But instead the people of God were found neglected and abandoned, like sheep without a shepherd, just like Chris the sheep in Mulligan's flat. But unlike the shepherd kings that we see in Ezekiel 34, verse 14 in John 10 tells us of a shepherd who knows us. I am, you are, known by name, by Jesus, our good shepherd, Jesus doesn't just stop there. Verse 16, which is also written over the tombstone of a famous Scottish missionary and explorer, a guy called David Livingstone, says, "And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice." Wow. He's got other sheep, hasn't he? Sheep outside this fold of Israel. That he's talking to now, like a room full here, I hope. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus didn't just restrict it to the Jews? Jesus has flung wide the doors to all our scruffy, mangy, Chris like Chris sheep like humans here in Canberra. Either he is truly insane or he is God. Let's go back to 14 again. How is he going to gather these people? Jesus the shepherd says he knows his sheep. He lays down his life for his sheep. You see, Jesus is as bound to his sheep as he is to the Father. And that means that as sheep, we can no more be lost than God can be lost from Jesus. Isn't that comforting? You sheep can no more be lost then God can be lost from Jesus. Our shepherd lays down his life for the protection and for the plenty, for us. But it could seem, this might seem pretty bleak but Jesus says that he will lay down his life because you know what happens when a shepherd dies? The sheep die. There's no protection, there's no guidance. The death of the shepherd is dangerous for the sheep. Which is why Jesus says that nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. And if I'm going to lay it down, I will take it up again. Because I have the authority to do so given to me by my father. The father has said, son, you're going to die. But you're going to come back because these sheep need you. The people of Canberra need you big time. Jesus says, when I give... My life, I'm taking it back. Which leaves us where we started in verse 19 to 21. We see two choices. Either Jesus is insane or he is truly God. And I think verse 21 is a great question to consider. I'll throw it on the screen there. It's gone from my slides for some reason. I won't throw it on the screen. Follow along. Verse 21. Others said... These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Remember our key verse, uh, John uh, 20 verse 31. For these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Come to him as your door. Come to him as your shepherd for safety and for abundance and come to him as your life.